Hello, everybody, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. Here on April the 8th of 2019, Chris, Nick, WMR, Manga, Discussion, Night. WrestleMania. Yeah. Tomorrow, Tuesday, <laughs> SmackDown. Yes. Just that's... words at this point. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, pretty much. We can't do single word sentences and discuss manga. And I've got a fucking mute fucking notifications on my phone because people keep texting me. <laughs> what if it's something really important, Nick? What if it's like, oh, what if John C is like, I want you to help me write my next my next uh, theme song rap entrance. Like, I, I, then no I would be like this, JC. Get out of here. JC. Yeah, you're on really friendly terms with them. You call him a name. No one else calls him. No one else calls him. And everyone thought so, Jesus Christ was the one who had access to that name, but no, it's actually John Cena. I don't, I mean, I guess you would know more about that than me, but, oh, yeah. uh... Me and old JC? Yeah, we used go to... Go way back. back. Yeah, we, we yeah. go way back. I read a book that was basically that, so anyway. Um, so, we've got a lot of manga to talk about today. Um, some series on break... But we have World Trader to talk about the end of the episode. So let's uh, get into it so we don't leave ourselves too little time, Chris. Okay. We have a recommendation we're discussing this week. It's called Ijiri Naide Nagatoro-san. It's been translated a bunch of different ways, but essentially it boils down to Please Don't Bully Me Nagatoro, which is the name of one of our main characters. The other main character doesn't have a name. He's just called Senpai. He's, uh, for the most part, the perspective character in the series. And uh, he's this, I think, second year high school student, uh, artistic, shy, um, and basically otherwise pretty normal. You know, he's introverted and awkward uh, guy. And he randomly comes across this first year student at the school named Nagatoro, who uh, basically sees the kind of stuff that he's into because I think she sees a manga that he reads and it's, you know, a typical shonen manga that's got some edgy fan service in it. And she immediately starts uh, teasing him and saying that he's this pervert virgin and is really hard on him uh, for it. She's a total bully. At the first few chapters of this series, very rough to get through, I will say. Especially if you were like an awkward youth, because Nagatoro is really fucking mean <laughs> with like no redeeming qualities to her whatsoever. It's interesting you say that, Nick, because I want to tell you a story. OK. And this may be the worst. I don't want to say the worst. This is the story that I've told a WMR that I have least wanted to tell. Gotcha. Because I don't know if. All right. Let me go have my popcorn. <laughs> are you sh now, when you go to sleep, generally, you know those moments when you like think back to like really cringy things you did when you were younger mm -hmm. and horrible. This is one of those things that I constantly think back to. And I feel it would be doing disjustice to not tell this story. So when I was in high school, this is right when I started getting into reading manga. So I was super into it. I loved all that stuff. Couldn't draw worth a damn, but I could write. So I mm. was writing books at the time, essentially just during class to just write them in my notebook sort of thing. 
and they were very stupid things. I'm not holding myself back. Like these were some pretty good books. No, they were nonsense. No. It was about you were doing, uh, but they, but they, you were doing it for you. Yeah, well, yeah, and it was like, oh, the main characters are like a cat who shoots lasers and a robot with an explosion sword. There's all sorts of just stupid nonsense that was just an excuse to have things I thought were cool fight. Um, but I wrote this book, and there was a girl that I had a really big crush on. Oh, no. And she was a very nice person. She was one of the, the few people, because I don't want to shatter your illusion of me, Nick, that like the, the visage of me that you've held, but I wasn't the coolest kid in high school. So she was one of the few people who was pretty nice, just about everybody. And I remember I was writing my next book. It was the sequel. And I was going to have a female character. And I asked her, I was like, hey, I really like your name. Can I use your name in the book? And she was like, sure. Like, she was very friendly about it. I'm sure she was like, well, that conversation could have gotten a lot weirder. So, yeah, whatever. Name in the book. I'm sure she I'm sure she was just like, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after I finished the book, I wanted everyone I knew to read it because I wanted to get oh, feedback. Oh, no. Uh, so I was giving oh, it out to everybody. No. So I gave it to her. And I was like, hey, why don't okay. you read it? And okay. she gave me the book back. And she was like, I thought it was really cool. I really liked that scene when I I, I jumped out of the tree. Because I was like the first thing I had her do. She jumped out of a tree and like surprised people. Uh, what I came to find out is she oh, shared no. that book with all of her oh, no. friends. Oh, and no. as I was leaving class one day, one of her friends, who we weren't in the same class there, but one of her friends walked up to me and was like, hey, you know that book you, you wrote? That was really weird. That was really, really weird. Don't ever do that again. That was really <laughs> weird. And it was just me like, yeah, I guess so. And it just quietly just destroyed my soul. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Uh, that I'm sure is I, Chris. Thank you for sharing that because I'm sure that that's more relatable than you realize. Honestly, it can be really difficult sometimes for people to share the stuff that they create, especially when they're young. Uh -huh. Um, you know, think about the stuff that like, you know, you, especially like when you think of like, if you've ever created anything, and everyone's created something that it, that can be qualified as at least somewhat artistic, uh, whether it was I had to write a story for class or I had to draw a picture for class or something like that. And you would then look back on it later and be like, that's not very good. Yeah. Imagine being very, very, very protective of that, though. And very proud of it. And then looking back on there, it would be like, why was I ever proud of this? And then thinking that no one, there are people who have never had those illusions about your work and then judging you for it and then coming to you and being really harsh about it. There are a lot of people who can relate to that. Oh, it was a not good time. Me. Not me because my own worst critic. But oh, oh, I was really hoping you're like, not me. I was too cool for that. That was super lame. I would have never done that. Chris, that was the lamest thing you could have done. People were too nice to me when I created stuff. And I look back on it now and I'm like, no, I'm, I, I, that was shit. But, <laughs> but, but no, um, uh, as you, you like, what you were saying, though, is, is to the point where you're like the first like four to five chapters of this series are not really a comedy because like no. the rest of it you get like the idea where the humor is but like the, i think it's the first two chapters alone are kind of just predicated on nagatoro bullying senpai 
to the point of tears. And that's yeah. how chapters end, where she's like, I got you to cry. And then she yeah. leaves. And that's she, 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 she makes fun of him for, you know, the stuff that he likes, uh, for being a pervert, for being for thinking that he can create this stuff. She bullies him for trying to draw his own manga because he loves manga. He wants to, and he wants to draw his own manga. And then when he gets so upset that he cries, she, you know, laughs at him for crying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, okay. It's, it's going to be a r- long ride then. I've got, you know, 35 more chapters of this to get through. Yeah. But about five chapters in, um, the premise and dynamic of the series changes. And. I think that it starts, uh, you really start to see it when uh, Senpai witnesses a conversation that Nagatoro is having with a friend of hers and they're sitting with two boys. And he's just kind of, you know, quietly uh, watching and nobody realizes he's there. And these guys are doing this stuff and they're, you know, this guy's talking like he's hot shit and he's thinking to himself like, oh, she's going to like pinpoint destroy him and then harp on him for minutes and he's going to walk away crying and you know he, he says like oh yeah you know I'm, I'm i'm i forget what it's like i'm really like athletic or something like that and she's like yeah uh i don't really care just just like that yeah and then there's a guy who's or well, like uh well, there's, there's a, a guy there's who says guy like who... oh you know i don't really yeah, there's a guy who talks about how he hasn't touched boobs yet and right, normally right. anything even remotely sexual would immediately like trigger her and she starts going off. Like, you fucking oh. pervert. Oh, yeah. you fucking virgin pervert. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, she's just like, that's kind of a weird thing to talk about in the first like, yeah, encounter. Yeah. We're 15. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and the other person gives her his music and she's listening to his music and she just kind of says like, I don't know. Kind of feels yeah. like you didn't put everything into this. Kind of feels like you just kind of threw it out there. And she just yeah, kind of shits yeah. on it as like a passionless project. And so Senpai sees all this and is like, why didn't she do what she does to me with them? And essentially what he realizes a little bit at a time is that the reason that she acts the way she does towards him is because she likes him <laughs> in, a, in a weird way. She finds him interesting, basically, and she wants to hang out with him. But she's got a really weird personality where bullying is her way of saying, I like you. Let's hang out, kind of. Um, and notably, the way that she uh, directs her behavior towards him softens. It's not as though she's just like a total bitch towards him and he just takes it because he realizes that she oh just wants to be friends. Because if she behaved the way that she did constantly towards him, then it'd be like, no, that's cool. But the stuff that she, the way that she makes fun of him uh, changes, she's considerably less ruthless uh, when she's dealing with him. And she, you know, is, I should say, in some ways, if you set up, uh, if, if your standards of, I would never, you know, be friends with someone who would like, you know, smack me in the back of the head and be this mean towards me. Absolutely. This would be, you would consider this an abusive friendship, but the series does in certain scenes define that he, he doesn't feel that way when she treats him certain ways. He actually sets the barrier at certain points of like, you should not treat me that way. And when she realizes it, 
she stops and actually apologizes to him. You know, she is, it's not even like, um, oh, she was, you know, beating the shit out of him. And he was like, why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's, you know, she was kind of being mean towards him, teasing him in a way that he really didn't like. And he was like, you've gone too far. And she's like, oh, sorry. And she actually seems like she regrets it. And there are times over the course of the series that they actually just act like normal friends. It's really weird. And I went into this series and the first five chapters were a real kind of slog to get through because it's it's harrowing in some respects. Just like, oh, God, I was bullied a few times in school. It sucked. Middle school was the worst. Um, and I think that anyone who has had to go through that kind of treatment in in primary school can relate to the way that she treats him. Uh, but it kind of comes into the point where she has they have this kind of relationship where it's just. It's, you know, lighthearted abuse, I guess you could call it, and I'd hate calling it that, but. There are certain friendships where and and relationships where people can on the surface level seem like they're really, really mistreating each other when they're both OK with it. And I've seen I've seen that in, you know, with friends that I have, they seem like they hate each other when, in fact, not. It's just the way they interact. Um, and it's actually really sweet at certain points. It's really weird. It's a, it's a very sort of interesting series because you you go from this this whiplash of the first couple chapters into the second part, and I would definitely see where people would be like, oh, it's kind of like a cute series because there are moments when you see that Nagatoro has kind of like uh, moments of weakness to her. There's definitely some clues that although she is constantly talking about what a virgin weirdo the other guy is it doesn't seem like she herself has any actual like real romantic experience so a lot mm -hmm. of it seems to be posture on her part uh there's elements there that make it seem like there could be a legitimate like real romance that grows between him i found that there was something missing though from this series that maybe we just haven't gotten to yet the series is still relatively early on in its run they haven't had a ton mm -hmm. of time to get to everything yet but I felt like there's something missing that maybe gives context or a better mm -hmm. context to Nagato, Nagatoro, or even to Senpai. We don't know really much about either one of them. Uh, Senpai, we literally don't even know his name at this point. We know yeah. he lives in a house somewhere, and that's about <laughs> That's like We don't know that his family, and we know Nagatoro enough that we know her personality, and we know that she lives somewhere with an older brother and presumably more family, but we don't know. There was actually a, a chapter where they go to her house because of a rainstorm. Mm -hmm. I thought that was going to be the moment it all clicked. Like, we were going to see what her home life's like. And you're like, oh, I can kind of see maybe why you're a bit more about this. But it's like, no, she's kind of like a normal kid at home. Like, there's nothing really interesting there to it. Mm -hmm. They don't have, like, a ton of common interests or things like that. It's just, it... I do appreciate that there's sort of, a, a you know, young teenage love kind of, like, adorableness to this relationship but there's something that is missing for me that like really connects them into something that i actually care about i guess is is the part i'm missing okay i get that i think that for me that 
because of the way the chapters are structured, you know, it's not chapters usually don't flow one into the next. Usually they're kind of like standalone snippets of their, you know, life around each other. It's all set into in, you know, a continuity. Each chapter takes place after the previous one. Uh, but usually they're it's, you know, kind of we never learn ish in terms of like this is a chapter. And then, you know, at another point in time, this chapter happened and that's it. Uh, the. I think that I mean, I would just excuse me. Uh, there are parts of this series that I just I couldn't help if, but find them absolutely adorable. Um, there's a bit where like uh, Senpai draws a picture of Nagatoro and it's like a picture of her sleeping on the couch that they've got in the art club room. And she actually like just gives him a little kiss on the cheek because she actually really likes it. Uh, there is a, there's a whole thing that they have where uh, she basically is trying to improve his self-esteem by saying like, okay, look, you know, you've got to like, you know, get good at like, if you want people to like you more, uh, if you want people to treat you better, you've got to be able to, you know, compliment them and then they'll give you compliments back. So, you know, Hey, you know, like look at me and what do you like about me? And don't be a pervert about it, you know? And she basically gets away with not really complimenting him a whole, a whole lot. He says like, yeah, there are certain things I like about you. And she's kind of, says starts to say something he's like oh you know every now and then you're and he's like well what 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 and he's like and she doesn't say anything and we see like this flashback of when she's like watching him draw and how dedicated and concentrated he is and she's just really enjoying watching the way that he's way that he's working is also very sweet and the scene that you talked about where they go to her house because they've been caught in the rain that's probably my favorite bit in the series because they decided, you know, because they've got to, you know, wait for the rain to pass before Senpai can actually go home. And uh, so they start playing a video game together. And uh, at first, Senpai reveals because, you know, he's a tremendous, massive shut-in that he's really good at this video game. So Nagatora starts cheating in order to win. And, you know, she's doing all sorts of stuff, you know, like she's just, you know, stepping on him and unplugging his controller, all that bullshit. But you get a montage of her trying to do all this. And eventually it's just the two of them sitting next to each other playing this game together as the sun comes up and they're both smiling and having a good time. And it's kind of just completely broken the illusion between them that they aren't friends. Well, parts of the series are really sweet and I ended up really enjoying it by the end. What's the manic pixie dream girl equivalent of like a bitchy dominatrix king that's uh, what i'm worried this series has a problem with <laughs> i still like it i, I want to emphasize I, I like this series there's something in it that i i need to like come together before i can get fully behind it though because while there are some cute moments and everything like that there are a couple moments where i'm just like not digging it like we, we we never learn, and there's a scene mm-hmm. in there, and she's a huge tease. This girl right. goes above and beyond tease. Like yes. there will be times where she'll like just like eight times in a row be like, "What a weirdo freak, weirdo freak loser pervert you are, pervert! Touch my tits! Oh, you're gonna touch my tits! You're a freak weirdo freak pervert!" And you're like, "Man, I get this, but this bitch doesn't stop. This is all day. I'm trying to draw. <laughs> like I'm in this room. I'm you eager." Just- 
Yuiga, just hang out with the other four hotties. Like, come on. <laughs> I I gave you yakisoba, and you're fucking still doing this to me. <laughs> hey, come on. The yakisoba, come on. It's it's. I do definitely see what you mean because there's a lot of bits in the series that are like, oh well, but Nagator is not a real bully because she is like, for example, put in contrast with the friends that she hangs out with. Like whenever she's. Whenever her friends get involved, she gets tremendously protective of Senpai because when they're first like introduced, they're in a group and he, you know, kind of sits down with them at lunch because Nagatara's like, sit over here, you know. And uh, so they're like, oh, you're a massive ver- pervert virgin. We've heard about you. And she's like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, and it's one of those weird things where, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, your friend that's if you've got that weird relationship with your friend and you introduce them to their friends, if they think, Oh, I can make fun of them. It's like, no, no, you, you don't, you don't know them. It's, that's not cool. And she stands up on his behalf in her own kind of way. And that's carried across, but it's like, okay, but why does she get, why is it okay for her to get to treat her like, treat him like that in the first place? And I definitely see why you would want, want that to fully sympathize with her. Even just like like the best way this series I think could end, and who knows when that would even happen. But the best way mm-hmm. it could end would be is if it's kind of what you've been saying. If they realize that like that a romance between them is going to work, but they're like, oh, but we could still be like cool friends. I think that would be more like palatable than this mm-hmm. idea of this girl who walks in and kind of just bullies this nerd into not being such a wiener, and then. Like he, I don't know, gets the hottie girl and like stories over kind of like, I don't know. There's just something I need to connect them to to connect the two of them as like real people right now. And I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll get it. There's been especially because she is like serious moments in this manga as of thus far. Right. Especially because she like, you know, makes fun of him for thinking that there's for, you know, thinking that there's going to be this girl who comes along that he just immediately bonds with while this girl has just come along. And he immediately bonds with her, but in a really weird way, like she makes fun of him for putting that bit in, you know, his manga of like, oh, this male knight and female knight uh, meet and you know, they just, you know, instantly fall in love because they've grown close together in their journeys together. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why no girl would ever act that way. And you know it, you asshole. She's like, <laughs> um, but then again, it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, you even though you're really mean to him, you did show up and take an instant interest in him and you're getting close to, to each other over the course of your journey through high school. So. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I I can definitely recommend it to people, but I would say that, you know, be aware that the first like five chapters or so are going to be pretty rough to get through. And you kind of have to forget about them as the series goes along. Maybe at some point it'll come up down the line, but you you really do kind of have to ignore that she never really apologizes for how ruthlessly she mocked him to the point of tears and then mocked him about crying as well. Yeah. Like two straight chapters. Like it's a really weird start to this series. From what I understand, um, the, this is because this is a web manga that's published by an app that Kodansha has, and it was originally published 
on Pixiv. There was like another version of it that was just posted on, you know, a fan art site. And so the first few chapters are much more in line with that earlier version. And then it, the, the vision kind of changed in the first few chapters. So that's why there's not a total it's it just it doesn't all quite run together smoothly. But, you know, that's how the creative process is sometimes. Maybe, you know, maybe the author got through a few and someone who was at the publishing was like, yeah, this this girl's kind of a bitch. Can you, like, <laughs> make her a little more sympathetic? <laughs> and then in classic Ashihara fashion, he made her chest bigger and no one had another <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love that story. I will say that this story does have flaws, but there is an entire chapter where uh, Nagatoro is introduced to uh, Ippo and she spends the entire chapter acting like Mashiba. So uh, all the stars. So any series that does it, does an Ippo parody gets it gets love for me. So. All right. Uh, thumbs up with an asterisk um, because it, it can be a little bit rough to start with. Okay. All right, let's do it. Let's move into our recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap. We're going to begin with My Hero Academia, number 223, Cockroaches. Uh, so we ended the flashback last chapter with that uh, month and a half ago meeting between uh, Shigaraki and the doctor. And we see at the start of this chapter, uh, he's still trying to fight Gigantomachia. They have been fighting this entire time. Uh, from Spinner's perspective, we get the explanation that Gigantomachia will fight for 48 hours and 44 minutes. It's a very exact term. Uh, just fight in that period of time straight, and then he has to sleep for a few hours. And then uh, when he wakes up, they start fighting again. And in the meantime, the other members of... Shigaraki's group are, you know, taking shifts, uh, helping him fight because Gigantomaki always seeks specifically Shigaraki out to try and kill him. So there's a little bit of a scuffle at the beginning of the chapter between like, you know, Shigaraki with Mr. Compress and twice, and, uh, they're still not having a whole lot of luck. Um, and Spinner and Toga are off walking, uh, by themselves. They're, Still getting, they are actually getting a little bit of financial support now from the doctor. And uh, that's about it. Uh, that's, are we, that's what's going on. Are we, are we not going to comment on the fact that uh, Twice's cell phone is, uh, like, ringtone is a burp sound effect and he has it positioned right next to his butt? Yeah, he does. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. This is a very amusing discovery for me. We do. We get a break. Uh, um, as Gigantomachia goes to sleep, Shigaraki is pretty excited because he feels like he's getting closer and closer to beating him. Uh, and Jiren sees on his phone when it goes, Bleh! Jiro rather, uh, that he's got a call from Jiren. And he's like, that guy hasn't been picking up any of my calls. And then he's like, yeah. He's been looking out for me ever since he introduced me to the league. He's a really small guy. Why don't you pick up the phone whenever Mr. Compress calls you, you asshole? He just immediately switches because as that is how he do. But, of course, uh, he doesn't get to talk to 
Jiren because that guy was kidnapped by the uh, what is it? What are they called? The Metahuman Society, oh, Metahuman Liber- Liberation Front, Metahuman Liberation Front. Yes. And uh, so they're like, "What the hell are you? Who the hell are you? Where's Jiren?" And it's the CEO on the other line using a voice changer, and he says, "Turn on the news." And we see that the kind of fleshy pile that we saw last time, it was actually just a finger uh, on top of a weird pile of debris. It was clothing. Basically, they've been putting uh, Jiren's fingers in different areas where the uh, League of Villains has been active, uh, where they've you know carried out their dirty deeds, as Mr. Compress puts it. The CEO introduces himself as Redestro. Destro with R-E in front of it, because uh, I I feel like I'm going to have trouble saying that name over and over again, because it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue very well. Redestro. Redestro. Yeah, such a normal word. Well, it's it's amusing, because I know that, like, the character, we find it his name later, is sort of like this guy who is this megalomaniac like megalomaniacal super genius kind of guy who's who's ready to like ruthlessly do everything he can uh but he has the maturity of a dude who's like i'm darth vader x <laughs> like he was just like i'm following the footsteps of the coolest villain who ever exists so i'm death vader and you're just like fuck why, did, why don't you call yourself kylo ren instead <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but I'm going to do everything else Darth Vader-esque way. <laughs> I'm going to put on this this voice-changing mask that does nothing because I'm actually in perfect health. <laughs> and check out this lightsaber I made. It's got cross guards. It's pretty dope. Yeah, super cool, don't you think? Yeah. So, they say, like, yeah, we've been interrogating him to get to uh, make him give up uh, his contacts list, and he to his credit, you know, he would not do it. We even started taking off fingers and he wouldn't even cry in pain. He still refused to give them up. But we were able to hack his cell phone and get all the contacts that he was hiding from us anyway. So we finally managed to do it. His resistance was commendable but futile. And he says, we've been biding our time and spread our roots far and wide. You're, we're, you know, no merry man of revolutionaries. There are 116,516 of our fellow liberation warriors lying in wait, ready to rise to action. I would be loath to make such a self-deprecating comment. And we are introduced to a few of those members who basically include, like, there's a publishing head. There's a board member of Feel Good Inc. That's not a reference at all. (laughs) Basically, there are all these CEOs, executive directors who are members of this group, as opposed to just a bunch of 20-something losers that make up the uh, League of Villains. Very stark contrast between them. And uh, in placing this call and getting in contact with Twice uh, and keeping them on the line, they have managed to track their location into the mountains, and now they can track them via satellite imaging. Yay! Uh, Destro says that, you know, Destro must be the ones to lead the revolution. It, the League of Villains is getting too much attention. We are going to be the ones who 
bring it, bring about the change. So even though they've got the same goals, they don't like the League of Villains, basically. Your destruction to our hands will signal the second advent of the Liberation Army. Consider those fingers proof of our resolve. And we get a shot of the five fingers that they've spread around different areas, and they are curled in such a way so that if you put them together, they actually make the symbol of the Liberation Army, which is creepy, but cool. It's also so lame. It's such a lame Creepy, signal. cool, and lame. Like the just the big stupid L on the forehead. Like you see, you see, Shigaraki, you are looking pretty dumb with a finger and your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think someone who names themselves Redestro probably would be a huge fan of Smash Mouth. <laughs> it speaks to me. <laughs> hey, now I'm an all-star. Get my game on. Go play. Uh, and basically, they're going to use Jiren to try and get the League of Villains to come to them so that they can destroy them. And uh, be sa- and if they don't come and try and save him, then they're just going to place a call to a bunch of superheroes and send them out to their location so that they can be captured. And um, so that's where we leave off the chapter with basically Redestro has finished this uh, declaration of war and that's it. It'll be interesting to see how this actually is like going to go in the future because I mean the way it's presented to us right now is like we're about to watch two villain groups go against each other. I know there's an element that we're kind of not supposed to completely hate shigaraki's group we're probably supposed to hate shigaraki uh, mm-hmm. but it seems like all of them in that group have something about them that's maybe not admirable but not wholly like not like an overhaul where you're like what an asshole the whole way through torturing so, his own daughter and all that yeah and and kind of following them we, we we've made shigaraki's group our pseudo protagonist right now so it'll be very interesting if this is just an arc about that it, it would be actually kind of cool to see if my hero made it so it was kind of like a dual protagonist thing where, you know, sometimes we, we focus on Shigaraki's group and then, you know, back over to Deku's and things like that. So uh, it'll, it'll be definitely interesting to see. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I'm not sure where this goes, but it should still be pretty cool. Yeah. Now that we actually have like the roots of like, this is what is going to be happening right now, as opposed to, oh, well, what's this liberation army is going to do going to do It's like, well, it turns out they're going to be fucking with the villains and the villains are positioned as the good guys in this situation. So. Yeah. All right, let's move on then to Food Wars. Shakugeki no Soma, chapter 306, two birds with one stone. This honestly might have been the best chapter of Food Wars in a, in a month and a half or something like that. It's it actually was funny for a little bit. So I'll give it that. Uh, it's the match between Asahi and Soma. Um, there are, you know, because Asahi has just said, you know, like that he's going to use and Saiba's knife. So some of the you know older chefs that we've seen judge competitions are like, wait a minute, Chef Joichiro, who? How the hell did he meet up with him? And what is his connection to to Soma? Is is Joichiro his father? And Ikumi is like, should we uh, be talking about them? Is uh, oh, whatever. Um, they confirmed that yes, Asahi defeated Joichiro and and now has his knife, which of course freaks out the judges because they're like, so now he's got Joichiro's talent to call upon. Mm. Soma uh, is like, okay, I've got to make a recipe taking these five grand cuisines and combining them into a single dish. I don't know how that's going to work. 
Okay. I'll figure it out. Then we get some kind of Do weird Do they make warm. a hot pocket that combines all five ingredients <laughs> that I can perhaps add like a crackler on top of <laughs> all a gourmet dish? And then I've got to put peanut butter and squid tentacles in it somehow. <laughs> um, Asahi uh, it has this weird thing. It, there's weird word bubble placement, basically, where um, that, it bothers me. It, it just bothers me in the bottom right uh, corner of page five. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, I'm going to beat you. And then he's like, I'll take one of uh, Joe Saiba's knives and cross it over with a different knife. And he's like, oh, man, he's using it with the with a knife that looks like a kukri, and a, you know, like an Indian knife. And so he chops up some some herbs and puts them in with chicken stock, which he got from chicken. Uh, then he crosses it over with a different implement. It's like, oh, my God, you know, this thing that lets him, have, lets him grind spices together. And then he crosses it over with a different one. And then he crosses over the, with Sukasa's knife. He's crossing it over with all these different types of wep- of implements. And he's like, okay, uh, this is actually taking a lot of concentration because I'm having to shift between all these different styles. If I loosen up, it feels like all the carefully balanced spices and flavors will collapse like a house of cards. Hang in there. And then he hears this voice from behind him that says, calm yourself, Asahi. I know you can make an excellent dish. And he looks behind and him and he sees the person who had wielded the kukri, Chef Rayanj Kumar. And then he sees the person who he got the spice grinder from, Elder Shahi. And he sees I got a different guy, Nadir Dogubayazit. And he's like, that's right. I'm not alone that I even get to make this dishes. Thanks to everyone I've met. A big full page spread of all these different chefs gathered in a group behind Asahi while he happily is cooking. Without them, I wouldn't even be here. And all the peanut gallery are like, who the fuck are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? Why are we supposed to care about who these people are? Why are you acting like you're the main character? And then just like the Dewar people being like, yeah, actually he stole all their knives. So I don't think a single one of those persons would be giving him any well wishes right now. Like Asahi's just so delusional. He's like, all of my friends are behind me. And if you cut over to like the spice grinder guy, he'd be like, Asahi, fuck that guy. <laughs> he stole uh, my tools. <laughs> I hope he falls in his fucking pan and roasts himself alive. And that his face is too salty at the end for anyone to enjoy. <laughs> Everyone would be like, ah, oh, this face tastes funny. <laughs> Actually, a really funny moment. I, I have to give it credit for that. Probably the most amusement I've gotten to Food Wars like all year. So, yeah. Um, but pe- people do, you know, bring home the, like, because, like, you know, the one of the uh, judges brings home the fact that was like, hey, you know, keep in mind, he is actually calling on the talents of all these different really great chefs so what he's going to put together i mean that's going to be really difficult to match that and he actually talks about like hey you know i know it would probably be frustrating in reality for the chefs who lost to me but it's the way it's got to be you know i this way with this talent can improve and expand the rise of cooking more efficiently than they ever could and he says you know let's say for example there was this chef who wandered the wasteland of cooking, desperately trying to blaze a trail to the horizon, but then lost his way and was swallowed by the storm, which, of course, is the symbol of what happened with Joe Ichiro back in his heyday. 
He says, if I were in that guy's place, I could stride forward with far bigger steps and move so fast that I'd leave the storm behind. It doesn't matter what the dish is, or even if it's something the world has never seen, I can do it all. It's just as easy as getting the right knife. Tell me I'm wrong. And a whole bunch of people are like, oh, my God, there's no way that Asahi Saiba can lose. And then, of course, someone's just like, oh, OK. I mean, you know, if that's the way that things are, yeah, you you can really move along really quickly. But what you're doing is just, you know, a really enhanced version of the training that all of us have done, which means that you're walking the same path that I am. And eventually I can catch up to you one small hard fought step at a time. So say your prayers and wait because I'm going to I'm coming for you. And that's basically where the chapter ends. Overall, actually, a, a pretty cool chapter. Uh I mean, well, it it sets the the stage really well, and it there's a really funny moment in the middle of it. So, it makes you realize that Asahi could have been a more cool villain than he's been. Like that, there was more personality to work off of than just like panel, panel. I just beat this guy. I took his knife. Panel, panel. Chapter done. Kind of thing. You know, like, right? There was there was more of a personality for this character to work off of. So. I think it would have been pretty cool to see more of him before this point, but we're here now. Let's make the best of it. And thus far, this is a good start to that. I think that things might actually turn upward a bit because this is a part of the story that is so important that they've kind of got to take a little bit more time getting through it to emphasize it. So that might help to, uh, you know, might help to mitigate some of the problems that food wars has been having. I don't think it's going to, you know, leave the entire arc as feeling like it's better by the end. But at least, hey, if it can at least have a good final battle or final two battles, at least it'll have that. So. Eden Zero. Let's talk about Eden Zero. Chapter 38, 22 hits. So last time, Shiggy was turned into a monster. You super strong. Whoa. Uh, but then Jamie's like, I can cheat, too. He turns it back. Uh, <laughs> and that's essentially the the first majority. third of the chapter. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, both Herman and Jamie are super skilled hackers who are hacking the game to either give Shiki extra bonuses or to take him away so that he can hurt him. So it's just constantly switching things back and forth. Like, here, put this armor on. Take that armor on. Put this one on. Put this one on. It it stops. It's supposed to be this pace that it's like this frantic battle between the two of them to, you know, buff Shiki and then take all of it off so he can kill him. Uh, But somehow Jamie just in the middle was like, "Uh, you're you're in a bikini now. It does that. So we get this weird. And then and then her shot. And then Hermit's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Hermit's like, I'll allow it. And you're like. All right. I. I know it's hero in every character. In character, that makes total sense for her to be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Uh, but yeah, so Jamie's like, ah, oh, no, nobody can be better at programming. Nobody. So I'll use the final code. And all, <laughs> all the buildings start breaking away and turning into data and evaporating. And we start seeing all the people do too, including the little girl. She's very scared. She doesn't have a name. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Hermit, uh, why is this little, Oi, Amy, undo it now, Ari. She's like, I can't. It's the final code program. The world's annihilation program. And who cares if they disappear? They're just data anyway. And she's like, no, they're not. 
they're alive, which means they have hearts. And uh, he realizes he still has three minutes to win. So he's going to attack. And he goes to attack. And he uses his his gravity energy. And he really hurts Jamie. Everyone's like, huh, that's weird. How is that possible? And Herman explains very calmly for somebody who was just engaged in a very protracted fucking hacking battle that I guess it doesn't matter because even though you have the strongest stats this planet has to offer they can use their real world abilities here so while your stats may theoretically get to be 999 Shiki's attack power in the real world would be something like 2000 or 2500 plus when you put that formula into the digital world's amplification digital program you would be about 4500 damage from each one of those hits so if we assume your ha- your health is the theoretical maximum of 100,000 uh then it would only take 22 shots to defeat you which is not how stats in the game work to my knowledge also what shitty mmo is it when the stats have capped out at 100,000 health <laughs> I fight trash mobs in WoW that have like 6.5 million all the time. But apparently, that was all they needed to do. Uh, the entire hacking thing Basically, yeah. was kind of just like, I don't know, something to kill a couple pages and get uh, Rebecca in a bikini for. So, Shiki wins, punches him, and I guess because Jamie was defeated, the the programming stops. I'm not entirely sure the logic behind this. Like, <laughs> like, I guess he's like a hive mind in the superhero movie that once you defeat him, all the rest of them just vanish and fade away. Uh, there is a moment, though, where everybody's like, yeah, you know what? She cares about people after all. And the wise even like, you see, Emmett, there are some humans who do look at the heart. As for me, and he gets erased because they're like, oh yeah, I told you I was cheating. I used his account, so it's been banned. <laughs> Which is like the one funny moment in the chapter. Uh, and then we see the monster, who is very happy, and Hermit and Cheeky have like a little look, and then Cheeky's like, let's go home to Eden Zero. Also, there's a moment where Hamura acts like a total asshole because the monster t- talks to her and is like, oh, you're wearing a you're wearing a beautiful kimono, and she's like, "There is an odd individual attempting to speak to me. I think it best to ignore him." It's like even if you hadn't said that out loud, it's really like, "Wow, okay." He's also covered in Cold. arrows from all the townspeople he fucking protected. Ya bitch. <laughs> you can it's just not like, say thank you. It's not like you know he's some you know random cat color on the street. Like you fought beside each other in this moment, you could just be like, "Yeah, thank you, bye." But it's like I will just ignore him. Come on. Perhaps he will fade away from my consciousness soon. <laughs> if I turn my head, he will just you know fade from view, and then he won't exist anymore. He ceases to exist in my interpretation of reality. <laughs> What's that disembodied voice? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right, arc's over. Uh, it could have been worse. Yes, absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Hellworn Higuma. Um, it's chapter 15, Finding Resolve Part 2. We see that uh, Haruma, uh, Higuma's Aunt Haruma, had gone to speak 
with uh, Kogetsu, the mysterious smoking demon that we've seen a few times in the series. She came to strike a deal with him, uh, perhaps. And uh, we find out basically that um, the smoke that he exhales kind of has mind altering effects. Basically, anyone who inhales it uh, will be focused entirely on one deep seated desire and will stop thinking rationally. So she had come to him because she wanted to strike. She did want to strike a bargain uh, because she's worried about Akagane is going to come because Yuguma is turning 10 soon. He's going to come after uh, he's going to come after her and her brother. And uh, so basically he said like, all right, well, in that case, you have to do this for me. And he basically has proposed that she uh, steal something from the family and bring it to him that she never would have agreed to. But because the smoke has altered her per logic, then she thinks that it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do up until uh, Asma confronts her uh, while she's got Higuma under her arm and is going in towards the shrine. And uh, he's like, come on, we got, why do we have to follow the demon Lords? Uh, you know, what, what the, what Emma wants us to do. We could be free from all of this. And he's like, we got our own reason to fight. It was a decision we made together that day. It's got nothing to do with our ancestors' crimes, and we've got a purpose. And our purpose is, uh, before he can actually say it, um, Akagane appears and uses his molten mercury to stab her through the stomach, and she drops Higuma. And uh, that's basically it. We don't get the entire picture yet, but uh, it seems that things are probably going to go pretty quickly from this point. And uh, I'm pretty sure that we're going to basically get the end of this flashback. Higuma fighting this guy and that's it. So Uh it is interesting. Some of the stuff that we see in this chapter, Uh, I like the way that the white smoke of yearning works and it does set up this guy as a really manipulative villain that they would have, that Higuma would have had to deal with eventually. But not going to happen now. So, all right, let's move over to Neo Lation Process 16, a hacker's love. So, we see that Neo has hacked into the drug company, has released all of this pharmaceutical data out into the world, and presumably the medication that would cure uh, Tobari would get there a lot sooner now. So, all she has to do is kind of hold on. So, she's hanging out with her mom right now. She's like, huh, Neo's calling me. Well, Maybe he's done something cool. I'll answer it later. Like, it's one of those, like, mm. classic, like, I'm sure those will be important later kind of things. I'm so, sure that Uncle Ben doesn't have anything important to tell me. <laughs> yeah. So, he sees that the bus is coming by, and he's like, oh, Tabari and her mom are on it. Boom! And he's like, why did the bus go by? Which bus stops he getting off at? Why is there a police car chasing the bus? <laughs> so, he opens up his laptop, and he's like, what's going on? Why is her phone off? And we see why that's all happening. There is a, a robber, a bandit, a criminal who is basically taken hostage of the bus, is, you know, pointing a gun at the, the driver's head, forcing him to drive, and is like, hey, you have to release Shiko Kumagawa from prison. And if you don't, I'm going to start killing people on this bus. So Shiki's like, or Neo's like, oh, shit. Like, that's the bus that Tabari's on. So all this is happening. So there's a moment uh, where Tabari is having, like, a, an attack. She needs her medicine. So her mom tries to, like, open up her bag to give her daughter some medicine. And the band's like, what, who said you could take that? Give me that! 
And he's like, oh, just a lot of drugs. Well, must be some serious illness you have. But I'm the kind of relentless criminal who just drops medicine for sick teenagers out of the bus. And he does. He just drops it all out the side of it. He's a true fucking monster. And uh, he's like, hey, I, you know, I don't know if I'm not a doctor or anything, but she looks pretty bad. So you better figure out a solution to this right now or she's going to start suffering. So he's basically just using Tabari as, like, an extra piece of pressure on the police. So Neo is like, fuck, I, I, I gotta save them. The bus system's old, so I can't hack into it. I don't know what he would have hacked into to begin with, but I don't know. I guess the Wi-Fi signal and <laughs> he starts, like, sending... Turn it into a gun, you know. Yeah, he sends everyone to Cornhub, and the guy's like, Cornhub, what a hilarious joke, and then laughs himself to death off the bus. <laughs> Uh, but he's like, shit, you know, everybody's cell phones are off. The only one is his. There's got to be something that I can do. And uh, finally, they get the bus to, to stop and they've surrounded it with police. But, you know, it's still not a good position because, you know, the, the, the criminal's on board. He has a gun. He's threatening to suit everybody. He's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start shooting everybody in their legs, too, to make it even more painful for them. And uh, the police chief is like, oh, God, what are we going to do? You know, uh, yeah, leave that right there. Uh, I don't know what he's asking him to leave. I guess just stuff still looks like bottles of stuff. I guess it's just food and, and supplies, essentially. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, yeah, it's just food and water. Sorry. Uh, but as he's saying that, his phone suddenly catches fire. And Neo, from where he is, starts shouting like, yeah, how do you like that? And the police chief detective whatever he is uses that opportunity to tackle the guy and arrest him and save everybody from the bus uh but as tobari kind of passes out from not having her medicine she sees that his cell phone was burned and thinks ah it's errata that did it so we cut over to the hospital and neo's sitting there and he's thinking like ah man this is this is too crazy i, I can't accept this i you know he ruined all the medicine but uh, you know i stopped the bus hatch hijacking so she has to live you know New medicine's gonna come, and her mom's gonna come by at any moment now and tell me, crisis is over, she's okay now. And the mom comes over and says, Tabari says she wants to talk to you. And you can immediately tell from her face that it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So he goes in, sees Tabari, who is on pretty critical life support systems, it looks like. And she says, I know it was you who saved us. You're amazing. You did what doctors... And the police couldn't. And she even knows about the research that was filtered in there. She's like, I can always tell what you're thinking about. And you're right. Uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, just just hang on. A new drug's coming out and we're going to get you fixed. And she's like, no, what you need to do is to graduate from just being a wizard. See, because you're going to become everyone's wizard. The day you made that contract with laptops and the internet, there were bad people all the world, and it's still a big place, and there are a lot of people who will understand you. You're going to use your magic to be a source of strength for those people. Break out of the internet and go meet them. And we see like a collage of all the people he's met currently, and he's like, yeah, there'll be people who stand up for you. And he's like, but I don't care about them. I only want you. Besides, I can't be a wizard. Because I couldn't even save you. And she's like, that's not true. You did cast a spell on me. The spell of love. I, Tobari Maya, love Arata One. One. One, whatever. 
And uh, <laughs> Nia's like, so certainly broke that intention, didn't you? Yeah. And Nia's like, I love you too. And she dies holding onto his hand. There's even a visual of the two of them holding hands. He's crying, and she says, Yeah, I know. I always know what you're thinking. And her hand falls. That's a <laughs> It's very much so. Made me so upset. <laughs> But it's it's such a great chapter because it gives you just this new context to everything. Like the douchiness of Neo first being described as like, oh, well, like it's the magic from the wonder of an eyes of a child. And then it's the wonder of the eyes of a child that grew up into kind of like a sick but optimistic young teenage girl who Neo has feelings for and who on her deathbed as her last wish said, I need you to be a wizard for the world. And it just adds such a new perspective on everything Neo has been doing, all of his magic spells, all of his weird stuff. It makes it so much cooler when you kind of see the context behind it. And I feel like this is the, the, the brutal fucking knife to the heart. That's yeah. just like, this is what could have been. This is what could have been you son of a bitch. Why didn't you, why didn't you asshole Japanese kids vote for this series? Why don't you like hacking self-driving cars? <laughs> Is it because there weren't any Zoopers or Zots in your 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 music.ly and your oh, your old town roads with Billy Ray Cyrus? Is it because that wasn't in it? Didn't have your Logan Pauls and your 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 I don't know I don't know your other things your uh, Jeffrey Stars and Shane Dawson documentaries didn't have the things that you fucking children just eat up like the gobbling monsters you are. I don't know which of us is the older man. You for saying all these things or me for not knowing what all any of them are. Both very old, Nick. <laughs> Our time's far beyond us. Uh, yeah, no, to, to the people asking, it is ranked uh, pretty low in the rankings for a prolonged period of time. Probably which not is gonna, usually yeah. a pretty clear sign. It's not a guarantee yet, but nah. I would say not to get too much more attached. Hopefully someone in the Shonen Jump publishing office is like, this series is awesome. Sh- fuck all of you. And uh, makes a, you know, get enough chapters for it to catch on. But <laughs> you never know. But it doesn't seem it's there have been no positive signs as far uh, as far as we're aware. There have been, you know, for example, no color pages recently, all that. So. All right, let's move on to the last Sayuki, chapter six, siblings. So the weird kind of uh, Yang symbol looking thing uh, with a weird face uh, that uh, that. That Ryu's father uh, opens his mouth and noms <laughs> noms Shige's head. <laughs> He's like, we will now begin the procedure. And Ryu immediately picks up his staff and is going to k- kill it. He's like, no, 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 no. Hey, hold on. It's, yeah, it's a monster, but it's actually beneficial to humans. And he explains that, look, Shige's mole has been opened and there are only two ways of dealing with it when, and preventing uh, him from materializing monsters. Uh, one is the path that you have taken, which is to defeat the monster that materialized from your own fear, because then you have that realization that you have the power to overcome your own fear. So your Mo is open, yes, but you don't have that fear of the monsters that are going to come out of you because you know you can defeat them. Thus, no more monsters will materialize. Shige 
we can't really take that path with it's too risky a solution. This is the white Faku monster. It's manipulating his memories. It's memory manipulation tool. He's going to make think that basically all of the memories he had are a dream. However, the feelings that he had from that supposed dream are going to be are going to remain behind. As a result, he's going to not have any memories of the Narihon. He's not going to have any memories of Koharu. And the white Baku monster materializes a hand so he can give a thumbs up. It's all going Which, well. <laughs> it's all good, guys. Uh, and he says, yeah, we, if, if with the existence of monsters becoming a dream, the MOA will return to the way it was before. However, this solution is not perfect. Even if you're able to create fake memories, the emotions will remain behind. If we were to save the four other boys who also had their fears escalated, we will have to materialize their monsters and defeat them in order to erase their fears. Uh, but he says, I, I've taken measures for them. They'll go back to their normal lives. No problem. Uh, he then draws the after the white Baku has done his work, he draws it back into the cube that he pulled it out from. He asks if Ryunosuke has uh, objections to the path that they're taking. And he's like, no, I know that we kind of have to do this. Uh, time passes by. Shige wakes up later while Rinosuke is uh, looking after him. And he's like, oh, right, right. OK, yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, um, sorry. But you, uh, you better not go into that room over there because yeah, my dad will get really grouchy. And then he realizes what Shige has to be thinking at this point. So he, you know, fake coughs. Uh, he's like, yeah, sorry, I'm not back from my incurable disease fully recovered yet. So Shige like tucks him into bed and uh, it's like, yeah, you should get some rest and I'm, I'll, I'll get going. But uh, before I go, hey, I had this weird dream and I don't really remember what it was about, but I know that I felt this way before back when I saw that hat that you were wearing at school the first time we met and the day that I became friends with you. It was the same feeling that I had then. And of course, the feeling that he had that he's forgotten is when he said that he wanted to be friends with Koharu. They see him off, and while, after, as they're doing so, Kaharu is kind of like hiding behind Ryunosuke, and she says to herself, bye-bye, Shige, because she can't make friends uh, as a result of this. So Ryunosuke kind of like holds her hand and says, the reason we can't let people know that Kaharu is here is because of those chaos people. If we get rid of them, can Kaharu make friends someday? And before his father can answer, dun-dun-dun, the creepy white haired kid from before shows up and uh, he says like, oh, yeah, you immediately reacted the way to the barrier that was keeping humans out uh, after he noticed that something was wrong with Shige. But unfortunately, I'm not human. He introduces himself as Sai, the second in command of the followers of chaos, which, of course, Rinosuke immediately steps in front of Koharu and he's hefting up this weird kind of scroll looking thing. Um, he explained that he was the person who actually told about uh, Rinosuke's friends about the tales of Mo. Mo uh, and he says, Hmm. Okay. So you didn't tell them for their sake, uh, I guess. Anyway, the reason your friends were put in danger is because you're with Koharu. As long as you don't hand her over, all of your friends are our hostages. And, you know, he criticizes her, says she's got no right to make friends. You have no obligation to protect her. And Koharu actually starts to apologize instinctively. 
And Ryunesuke says, don't apologize to him. It's not, you know, it's not your fault. The reason that Chiyo's nature was your fault, not hers. And he gets really pissed off, of course, and starts to rush in towards him. But before he can do so, his father steps in the way. And this weird thing crackles net beside Sai's head, shoots forward and takes off the father's hand. Yay! It really is bleach, Chris. <laughs> uh, seemingly, the scroll, I guess, that Sai had taken out is actually one of the elongating staffs, it seems. And he can seemingly manipulate it via telekinesis as opposed to having to hold it. Uh, his father's like, it's okay, I'm fine. And Ryu's like, are you sure? <laughs> his hand's gone now. Um, it's, the father says, why didn't you come to take her before you've had opportunities? And Sai says, you say such funny things. It was you who took my little sister away from me. Dun, dun, dun. So, I wasn't really expecting this guy to uh, confront uh, Ryunesuke in person this quickly, but uh, seems like we're kind of going along at a pretty good pace uh, with this series, just kind of getting into, like, yeah, setting set stuff up, set stuff up really quickly so that we can get into it, so. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, my mind always, when I see, a, like, a new manga moving at, like, a really quick pace is either... It's worried about being canceled, which I don't think a series should be. It's not been doing that bad in the rankings. Or it's like, I don't want to get canceled, so I'm just going to shoot shit out like immediately yeah. before people get into me. So I'll be curious to see if that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I'm kind of still at this point with Lasayugi where I like, I'm like one chapter in, then one chapter out. So I'll, mm. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to see where it goes from here. It's definitely not nearly as powerful as the previous one. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about We Never Learn. Question 106. A visit is a crisis for the pizza bet. And uh, it's an anime celebration cover page. Thing this, too. this this chapter has nothing to do with Seiki Show, but okay. Yeah, every, ch- every time. X equals the pizza bet. That's how it happens. So, uh, so we get a color page and everything like that. So we get the explanation for why... Uh, Kirisu was naked in Shari and Uega's house. Uh, it's really weird. <laughs> the, the explanation is, fuck it. Who cares? This is a sexy manga. Basically, it's like, I should go drop this off at his house. Oh no, his sister sprayed water on me. And his sister was so adamant about uh, cleaning me off that she, I guess, stole all of my clothes and said, I'll go buy you some fresh underwear. You go shower. <laughs> That's it. It's not even two pages of explanation. It's just like, oops, I got wet. Better shower off in your place. Better shower off sensually in this very inopportune time. So, Uega uh, gives her some some of his clothes. Like, here you go. Uh, there's some sexiness there because she grabs it. She's like, oh, thanks. For Thank you, boobs. <laughs> and he's like, please stop. Please. And Kirisu says, this sort of thing keeps happening with you. <laughs> I think it's a you problem. Uh, Then his mom comes home, and I do like his mom's reaction where she's like, my beloved son with a half-naked woman in our home while I was out. How do I respond to this? Uh, But then she's like, oh, hey, my Fuyu? I don't know how to fucking say her other name, but uh, it's Kirisu Sensei's name. And she's like, 
oh yeah and this is where we get the whole like circle complete thing as she pays you know respects to Uega's father and Uega's like oh so the teacher who inspired you all those years ago was that and she's like huh why didn't you ever mention to me that you were dad's student He's uh, she's like, well, because I was ashamed, I betrayed everyone's expectations, and I felt like I had no right to do so. But I decided to come here today, thanks to you, Uega. So that's the reason why she came here to begin with. She was going to give food to the family, but she was also going to pay her respects, which she hadn't done since his funeral. And she's like, I've always turned her down before, but starting next year, I'm, I've agreed to coach the girls' skating team. So she's going to be able to combine her two passions, and that's, that's a, very, a very sweet thing. Uh, so it's, it's very nice. Uh, and then the mom comes in and is like, you've been such a great, uh, teacher to, to, you know, my, my boy. So thanks for supporting him. And, uh, he like, ah, uh, now that you're here, I need to talk with you about something important. And, uh, there's some tension <sighs> because oh, he just came in with this strange, beautiful woman. And who was naked. <laughs> so obviously the mother's like, they must want to to spontaneously throw a marriage declaration on top of me. Uh, so it's I like the I like the visual that she has of the two of them using their hands to form a heart. <laughs> like... And uh, she tries to be like, oh, it's like a classic, like, you know, mistaken identity kind of thing where she's just like, oh, I don't know. I think maybe you should think this too. And Diego, of course, thinking that this is just about his high school, you know, into college career is like, no, I can't wait any longer. I should have told you about this much sooner. And she's like, oh, what do you think about this, Karasu? And she's like, hmm, I I can't allow a, a fission to happen between teacher or student and parent. So she's like, uh, please hear him out. He's really determined. Uh, mother? <laughs> like, I don't know why you added mother in to begin with. It would have to do, I think, with the way that you address someone in Japanese. So she's speaking to her on in the respect that a teacher speaks to a student's parent. So, I mean... I would think that there might be a certain level of familiarity where she would instead want to refer to her like as Yuiga-san or something like that. But I guess it just kind of came out in a way of like, uh, you know, Nari, you know, Nari, you can just say that way. So, but yes, it is very specifically that, you know, it's like, oh, she's already calling me mom. Oh, my God. (laughs) So uh, just to cut to the chase. Uega's like, I want to get into an education program university. And we find out every one of the other fucking girls is hiding in the closet watching this scene take place. Amusingly, Ogata's also serving fucking, like, udon (laughs) as this is happening as well. Uh, And we find out that all the girls had their own various reasons for wanting to be here. Well, initially it was just Aruka. Aruka was like, hey, I have to drop this notebook up. And Yuega's uh, little siblings were like, ah, Karasu's here. She said she was, there was some shouting about impure and inappropriate behavior. So Ruka got really concerned and texts all the others that she thinks that uh, Karasu is going to expel Yuega for improper and uh, inappropriate behavior. And all the other girls get in like, ah, oh, geez. And then they're all individually like, shit, it's probably because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Which is <laughs> I do enjoy that every girl's like, shit, this might be my fault. <laughs> so they all go there, they're all hiding, and 
Uega's mom's like, hmm, I see. You turned down the recommendation and you've been secretly working odd jobs. I thought something was up. And she drops uh, an envelope on the table and it's full of money. And she says that this is what our husband, you know, this is what your father left behind for us for when we really needed it. And Uega's like, no, I can't take this. You know, this this isn't the money for me to use on my selfish personal whims. This money is to, you know, secure the the you know the support of the whole family and then all the girls and his little siblings well except his youngest his little first little sister she's passed out outside as a joke later on uh, everyone crashes out of the closet and they're like no you big idiot this is for you you we want you to be happy we want you to have something so you 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 can't just say that it's for us because we want you to have this we'll be happy if you're happy and even our mom's like a parent can never be happy if her children aren't happy so all of them together encourage them, encourage you to say, if you want to make your family happy, you could start by making yourself happy, accept the money for it. And Uyga uh, even starts to almost look like he's about to cry. It's yeah. broken up, though, because the mother's like, there are so many potential brides here. It's just like a, a full two-page spread of all the girls in wedding gowns. And she's like, yay, my son's not going to die single and alone. <laughs> I'm so happy. And uh, then it's I, like the final shot. I do like, well, I do like the reactions that the, all the girls have because it's, you know, Yuiga. And he's like, what the fuck? No. But all the girls have different reactions except for Ogata and Fumino have whoever who are just kind of like, mm, because Uruka's like, yes, <laughs> married, yay. And Asumi's like, hey, hey, you want to get fucking married? Go high. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then the end of the chapter is saying like, Meanwhile, his younger sister claps on the front of <laughs> the front stoop of the house after being confronted with so many rivals for her brother's attention. <laughs> and I'm like, I know the whole gimmick of her family is that they're really poor, yet she still apparently rushed out to go buy new clean underwear, and that's why she couldn't be here yeah. for this scene. <laughs> You're like, what? But no, it's a very sweet chapter. It's nice to finally have this out. Uh, we've We've been at such, like, an emotional like steamroller with this series like i think it's been like nine or ten chapters in a row have essentially been mostly pretty emotional chapters about this decision duega is making there's been a couple of like sillier ones thrown in but i think even those ones have always had some element of like Uega, what about your future and, and addressing it and we saw all the girls react to it and then finally getting to this point is a pretty satisfying moment of Uega getting the full support of his family. I, I don't think there was any doubt ever that that was going to be what happens, but it's very sweet to see this family support him. The little siblings be like, no, we don't care, you know? Normally they're such dickhead brats that you would have been like, no, our, yeah. our toy! We stole this! <laughs> <laughs> like, pulling out fucking, like, a thong. Like, we stole this thong! From where? <laughs> um, But yeah, no, it's, it's a very sweet chapter. Yeah. Um, it is one of those things where it's like it seems as though in order to um, match the very happy atmosphere and to kind of bring everything to a conclusion, it was like they Suzuki wanted everything to um, it kind of wanted to hit on the greatest hits of the series. You know, all the misunderstandings, uh, you know, the etchy, uh, all of the girls gathered together for various stupid reasons and such. But it, it does kind of help with the very goofily positive atmosphere of everything and to kind of bring you down from like all the tension that's built up over the course of like you would go 
wanting to make this decision, but not knowing how to break it to his mother. And it does help to make the series be like, oh, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice, happy ending. It's a very positive energy uh, that comes out of this. So I did really like this chapter, despite the fact that it is weirdly goofy at points. So. All right, let's move on then to Dr. Stone. It's time to get Stone! Chapter 100. It's chapter 100. It's big, big deal. Chapters equals 100, which is... This is fire. What, it boils to, what, it, what this boils down to is just, we're going to start the next leg of the journey, and that's what this chapter is all about. Uh, but there are a lot of details in it that I do really like. We start off with just the ship actually, you know, being dumped in the fucking water. Kaseki's really happy that his uh, construction is working. The Perseus is about ready to set sta- set sail. Senku gives a little bit of a speech because he explains like, yeah, you know, I hope you're all prepared because we're going to be splitting up right now. We're going to have the globe trotting team that's going to handle the petrification mystery. And there's going to be the civilization team that's going to stay behind here and continue setting up, building up the, the kingdom of science. And Ryusui has a list of people that are going to come along on in the crew. He's like, look, I would have loved to have all of you five people on my crew. Uh, and and Senka's like, yeah, but then all of humanity would go extinct if the ship sank. <laughs> Very realistic. Um and, you know, he's but he tells them all it was something that's actually very important. And it does kind of, you know, cut to the core of like why Ryusui is actually a, a pretty admirable character after what we've seen him developed as. He's not just, you know, a greedy asshole. He's like, look, we can't guarantee that we're ever going to come back or that we're going to survive. So even if I call your name, if you don't want to come, you can stay behind. It's it's a choice that each you have to make. And, you know, some a few different people have very different reactions to this. Chrome's like, I'm going I'm going anyway, you know, uh, and Senku and Gen are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we need you on board, though, we're going to trick you into coming along. But he's like, look, no, I know that you could convince everyone in your own different ways to do this. But if we have shipmates that aren't willing to be there, then they, I mean, in the, in the worst case scenario, they might endanger the whole ship. Everyone who's coming with us should do so of their own will. And it is cool that we have like one of these leaders just being like, no, they should be willing to come with us. <laughs> Wait, but what if Shiki comes up and he's like, we're friends. And he just grabs you and yoinks you onto the ship. Aren't you a friend then? Is that how it is, friendship works? That's one of the things about having a, a diverse cast is like they should approach different situations differently. Sometimes they could be of similar goals and mindsets, but they should disagree on some things and it was i think very important for you so we to say like look if you're gonna come with us you have to be with us we're not going to trick you into coming with us which is so contrary to how senku does things so and, and again of course uh and of course he calls out for senku and chrome and kaseki chrome and kaseki come on <laughs> oh no we're losing nick but we got we got kaseki that's the important thing yes yes <laughs> Uh, Sora use Riha. He says, like, you know, these are the engineers. And she's like, how am I an engineer? He's like, well, you, we need you to maintain the sails. Like, makes sense. Uh, Ukyo's coming. Makes sense as well. Francois will be coming as the chef. And then he's like, and also, of course, we're going to need our power team. And everyone, all of the people in the power team are already running up the ramp. 
Um, so we've got Yo and Nikki and Taiju and uh, Kohaku all going up. Magma is coming along. We get a little bit of a moment with him and his weird little follower guy. He's like, you know, if I wanted to, I could just stay back and take over the village. But the one who should be chief is whoever proves mightiest in this coming war. Oh, he's that's changed cool a little no bit. No longer yeah. the man he was. Kinro is coming along, too. And uh, like, ah, of course, he's go- he's he's ter- perfectly willing to come. And Ginro is you know, at the bottom of the ramp. He's like, oh, uh, uh, only got, only Ginro got called. Perfect. Because <laughs> Ginro's so strong. And I'm just, you know, whatever. And Ryusui is like, and Ginro, too. And he's like, no! <laughs> no! And he's, you know, crying his eyes out. Oh, I don't want to go. It's too dangerous. And Ryusui's like. Dude, nobody's forcing you. I'm only taking willing crew members. You know, and Senku says, hey, if you're going to stay behind here, civilization team has important work to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. And there are a few people behind him who are like, who are like, yeah, OK, well, I'm, I'm staying behind, too. We do see that there are some less important characters who have actually turned down like, no, I'm, I'm not coming. So um, Kohaku brings up the concern of like, however, if we have all the strong fighters, you know, going along this journey, what if? Hyoga and Homura break out. No one would be able to stop them. And we immediately cut to they're in a cage on the deck of the ship. <laughs> yeah, we're taking it with us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like the best plan. Of course, a few people are like, isn't this kind of, you know, couldn't they cause a lot of havoc if they got loose here, too? And Senku says, yeah, it would be risky. It is risky taking them along, but there may come a time when we actually need to play the last strong card in our hands if the worst comes to worst. So, hmm. uh, Gen's like, all right, everyone, let's give our friends a nice send off on their journey. And Reese is like, don't play dumb. You're coming too. What? <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, he does have this big moment because he's like, oh, little, little me. No, no, no. And Seku says, well, I mean, who knows what kind of enemies we're going to encounter. We may regret not having our mentalist around. And uh, Gen is hesitant and this kind of sweating profusely for a bit. And he's like, I, I suppose if why man happens to attack, then Japan will be in just as much trouble and siding with your kingdom of science. Do you maybe the safer bet in the end? It's not as if I care who comes out on top, as long as I stand to profit and he gets on board and Kohaku is kind of talks to herself and to Senku and says, you know, I've, I've kind of realized something about Gen, which is that he's got his pride and dignity and that wicked pretense is just how he shows it. But he's still kind of an asshole. And Gen's like, what are you guys talking about? Nothing. <laughs> Just, you know, this they've been together. They've been together for a very long time at this point, And they've gotten to know each other's, you know, bluffs better, which I appreciate. So uh, the Perseus sets off. We get some final words exchanged, shouted from, you know, like the shore to the ship and back. Um, and as they're setting off. Uh, you know, Ruri is like, oh, man, they're really gone. One, one of the nameless guys is like, I wish I could have gone, but I get seasick. And Ginro is you know, thinking, you know, kind of like, <laughs> and uh, he Kinro on the ship is thinking about is, is thinking about Ginro. He's like, mm, I'm not really surprised, I guess. But he, you know, which is that his buddy could come along. And we see Ginro dive off of the cliff of the ship and start swimming out towards the Perseus. And they're like, oh, my God, what is he doing? And he calls out, oh, everyone, wait, I want to come too. Your pain is my pain. Your hand is my hand. I'm not sure if that has, that moment's happened already, right? That happened in the anime. Yeah. Okay. 
So uh, all the people on the shore are like, oh, my God, Ginro's trying to go out towards them and catch them. And, and of course, Ginro's thinking to himself, ha, there's no way that I'll ever actually catch up with the ship and the waves are going to drown out my cry. They can't hear me. So I'll just, you know, swim out towards them until it goes until I, I lose sight of it. And then I'll swim back and be like, oh, I couldn't catch up to them, though. I tried my hardest to go to go after them. And then everyone will everyone will think that I'm a brave hero. I'll get my cake and eat it, too. I, I love that this initially was such a different thing this was this was set up like exactly like a scene we've seen in a lot of different series before you know like Usopp swimming after the straw hat ship saying like i'm sorry you know like that sort of thing get it over here you jerk and it it felt like it was a very like out of character well not even out of character but just like it felt like something we've seen before but i love the hilarity of it that he's like no one can fucking hear me. The ocean's so loud. Even fucking what's her name with the Kohaki with the great hearing. She can't and, actually hear yeah. me right now. Ukio rather. And he's like, so everyone's just going to think I was super cool at the last moment. And I go back. I'm like, I guess I'll just be the fucking coolest dude over the rebuilding <laughs> team. And then just the notion of like, hey, it looks like he's trying to come with us. And then Taiju's <laughs> like, I'll come save you. And like, no. No! <laughs> oh, his eyes bug out. He's like, no! Why? <laughs> and Senku just kind of like had a hunch that this would happen, basically. And he's like, hey, what if we point our radar in that direction? And Uki's like, oh, there is something coming towards us. Oh my god! Get her to swing out here. And Taiju immediately just appears in front of him. I got you, buddy! <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get you out there. No, go away! I saved you. Now you can be part of our team and go on all the dangerous adventures. And so everyone's like, "Wow, I I can't believe you did this. We we really didn't think that you would do this." Except for Kinro, who's like, "I believed in you, Kinro." And like they all like dance around him while Kinro's in the middle crying his eyes out, like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" And then they're like, "All right." We're going to set off. Our first destination is a treasure island. They're going to the place where the Soyuz capsule is. The place where the Hundred Tales began. But what a chapter. It's just, at its core, it's just like, these are the people who are going on the journey together. Except for Suika, who I'm pretty sure stowed aboard because we don't see her in any of the crowd shots after a certain point. Um, Like, we see her very early on in the chapter all the shots of the people on shore she's not there um it would make sense because she's far and away if she wasn't there she's far and away the most significant character who didn't go mm-hmm. along like after that right. it's like jasper and well, the guy who made ramen you know like or the guy well, who it's made ramen. Ruri's the most important character who's not coming, and it makes perfect sense for her to stay behind. Ruri, uh, and then the the news reporter girl, like those are the characters who were like, okay, yeah, they're not coming. But like, and Sukha's sister was like, she's six, you know. So, Sweet. but yeah. yeah, I'm eight. I get to go. Going in my melon gourd. So long, suckers. I got shit to do. <laughs> that's that's the chapter, though. Uh, really enjoyable. Um, very funny moment, and uh, yeah, really excited for this journey that they're setting off on. Speaking of journeys, seven early since. All right, so 
last time on Seven Deadly Sins, they won! <laughs> so that's why chapter 306 is appropriately titled The End of a Long Journey. And it's the end of a long journey. We see a bunch of demons attacking. There's a shot of Slater trying to protect somebody. Uh, I'm not sure who it is. I feel like I should know, but I don't. And I'm actually super impressed that I remembered Slater's name. So I'm giving, <laughs> my post, I'm giving myself points Slater, for that. Yeah. Uh, all the demons start retreating. And they're like, why are they leaving? And uh, we know why. It's because the demon king's been, or demon lord's been defeated. So we see Luda show who's like, I can't see. So what? what's happened? And they're like, it's all over. The demon lord's gone. The threat is over. And it's all thanks to their help. The seven deadly sins did it. And uh, we see Elizabeth's like, you know, happy. She's having this moment with Melodius. And uh, I believe that it's Ludisha who's like, this is a little optimistic. Because just because the demon lord's done doesn't mean the holy war's over. But this is a small step towards the end of it. Because now goddesses and demons coming together after hating each other for so long there's a chance for this war to finally come to an end. And uh, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm very tired of all this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm simply tired of this conflict. And uh, Elizabeth's like, well, I won't forget it. You sacrificed your life to protect everyone. So thank you, Ludashell. And may you find peace as he kind of fades away into these beams of light that ascend into the sky. And everyone's super duper happy until they're like, oh, right. Elizabeth's curse goes into effect tomorrow, and we now mm -hmm. have lost the only way to stop it. So there's some tragedy to it. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth's like, no, I'm happy, I'm fine, Melodius is back to his old self again, so, you know, if he had become the Demon Lord, we never would have seen him again, it, it would have been awful, I would just, if I die, that's fine, I'll be reborn again, and, you know, it'll all work out. And Melodius like, you know, I can break the curse, right? <laughs> <laughs> like this is the time to make a joke he's like it's not a joke i was in fucking purgatory for so long that i kind of picked up the power to do it uh so he merlin activates curse discovery we see these giant visages that you know are the figureheads for the curse and melodius activates all the power that you know he's kind of grasped at this point the power which by the way the demon lord said would be too much for this world to really handle so you know keep that in mind as uh, melodius activates him and he's like sorry for making you wait three thousand years but i can finally keep my promise to you and uh she she starts crying she's like so after you fulfilled your promise will you still love me and he just laughs he's like of course i will forever and ever until you get sick of me and then he activates his power. We see that the, the two visages are completely destroyed. Pop! Anyway, yeah. <laughs> There's a big pop sound effect. Uh, and it sprinkles glitter on everybody. And they think how their long journey has come to an end. Elizabeth's like, no, it's just the beginning. Let's head back to uh, Leone's. Everyone's waiting for us. That's the chapter. So... Before I understand, the next chapter is titled Epilogue Part 1 or something along those lines. Uh, so it seems as though we may be in the final stretch of Seven Deadly Sins. It may just be a goodbye tour that's going to happen. It's possible that it's just an epilogue to this big, long story arc that we've had. But it really feels as though we've kind of reached the natural conclusion for a lot of these characters' arcs. 
And it seems as though we're going to get ready to say goodbye to them. Yeah, I don't think there's too much left in this world to do. It's not like they've set up like an antagonist or a force in the future. Right. The Holy there's been no there's been no tease of anything else uh, to conquer at this point, basically. Yeah. And I think we still have to deal with the fact that Melodius is going to presumably not be able to stay on this world anymore. Um, There's some elements there to address, but I, I think what we're going to get is a couple chapters kind of closing up all of the stories and uh, finishing the series up. It's moved at like a very methodic pace, like a very controlled one. And it seems like this is right the spot for the ending of everything. Yeah. Nice feel good chapter though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then to the promised Neverland chapter 130. Something to report. Uh, <sighs> Nothing really happens in this chapter that we didn't already know. Uh, Emma goes to her friends, tells them that what she and Ray are going to try and do, explains why she's doing it, because everyone's like, why are you doing this? Yeah, I don't want to eradicate all the demons. That is bad because, God, imagine killing all those people and abandoning their babies to death. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) that would make us kind of awful, wouldn't it? And she says, I don't want to kill them. I don't want anyone else to kill them either. And Ray also brings up, yeah, and also there's Mujiga and Sanju. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, those were good guys. Yeah, they helped us. <laughs> um, but, of course, there are some people who still have concerns. Giselle, for example, brings up, like, I I hate demons. Look, I understand what you guys are saying. I know you don't want to kill your friends, but I care about everyone here more than I care about the demons. The enemy is not going to show us any mercy and I want to protect my friends. And even if they're kids or babies, I would do it. So she doesn't quite say that because she kind of, you know, collapses into emotions. Uh, but, you know, she kind of brings up a much milder version of the stuff that Barbara and Cicelo were going on about. So. And uh, Gilda brings up, hey, you know, Emma, you were almost killed recently by demons. Uh, so what, what are you thinking here? And Ray's like, she's crazy. <laughs> like Emma's like, what the fuck, dude? And she's like, yeah, I couldn't understand her at first either. But Don kind of like actually gets it right away. He's like, he's just like, that's who Emma is. You know, this is Emma cares about everyone. Uh, and he's like, you know, go do what you have to do. You know, this is Emma and Ray we're talking about. You both must have actually thought this through before making this decision. I would rather avoid having to take this risk, but I don't disagree with Emma's ideals. And this, the choice we won't regret, even if it is risky, is the freedom we've always chosen as escapees. And she's not going to listen, even if we try to stop her. So just go ahead and do it. Shows, I think, a lot of growth on his part because he always seemed to be a much more impulsive uh, member of their group. Gilda, however, is still very concerned for Emma's safety. Emma has to reassure her and say, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry also that I keep on choosing these difficult paths. But this is the only choice that I could accept. And also, this time it's not just that I don't want Norman to kill himself anymore. It's a very interesting way of putting it. And it shows that Emma is aware of just how damaged Norman is making is how much damage Norman is doing to himself, even if she doesn't know what exactly he's planning. And you can tell that she learned a lot about what's gone on with him during their conversation together. 
Uh, and Ray's said, Ray and Emma also explain like, yeah, we know that he's trying to, you know, sacrifice himself in order for others' sake, and we don't want anything like that to happen to him. Um, he thinks that the only correct answer was for him to sacrifice himself back when we were at uh, at the farm together. And Emma says, but that wasn't actually a success because you know we're still not out in the clear even after he did that. The point when we let Norman go, the escape wasn't a true success starting then. And so he's like, we've got to do this. We're going to come back as soon as possible before Norman orders the killing of the demon royal family and the aristocrats. And in case the worst situation happens, choose the path that you won't regret. And they say, please take care of Norman, too. And Emma promises that she'll come back safely, gives a big reassurance, especially to Gilda. And Gilda says, OK, we'll leave this place to us. You go do what you need to do. And finally, everyone accepts it and they're able to send up, go on their way. Um, they basically sit up the get set to start the ritual to go and see. And that's basically it. That's the end of the chapter. They says we're going to go see the seven see blah at the seven walls. And that's the end of the chapter. I like this chapter a lot. Um, I think this is. Uh a very interesting part of the story to get to see uh we know that emma and this group are family you know <clears throat> family through survival too you know where they've spent the last couple years i mean everyone from goldie pond or not goldie pond uh from gracefield even longer than that i mean most of them have been family as long as each other's been alive basically. as long as they've been alive yeah uh, and then from goldie pond for several years and that was all through survival you know everyone there looks at each other as a family so it was pretty significant to get a chapter where Emma comes up and is like, so I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to make things harder on us, but I this is what I have to do. And the thing I'm really, really thankful about is that members of her, like of these characters we know have different reactions to it. Like this mm-hmm. would be such a different moment if every character is like, well, I know demons have killed everyone I've known and loved, but I trust you, Emma. And I mean, that's ultimately what we do get. But we see, you know, uh, Violet. No, not Violet. What's her name? Gilda. No, Gillian. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Gillian's like, I hate demons. Like, I love you, Emma, but I hate them. They're they're the worst. If they're all dead, we don't have to worry anymore. And even having. uh, She even even says, like, I would even kill children if it meant that we didn't have to worry about demons coming after us again. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have, you know, Gilda coming in being like, you were almost killed by demons. What you're doing? Like, it's nice that. Like the Don and Gilda pairing that has always kind of been in this series have very opposite approaches to this where Gilda's just like, no, you're going to get hurt again. You're going to get killed again. And Don comes in. And he's just like, yeah, I think Emma's got this. Like, we kind of need to trust them. Like, I just appreciate that there was a conversation that happened here. And ultimately, even though this is a family that has disagreements, like kind of mm-hmm. the most heartwarming part of it is that as a family, they're like, I trust you and I trust that you know what you're doing and that you're going to create the the best solution for all of us. Like you're going to give us there and the whole like follow up. Yeah. like losing Norman is what kept the Gracefield escape from ever being a true success. Like there's always going to be regret there that we almost let Norman die for everyone else to escape. And I'm going yeah, to I mean, like he could have died like. Oh, what was their name? <laughs> oh, got his headshot. Um, 
his friend. I want to say Frank. His other friend also got his headshot. They had two very similar names, like Jack and Joe, maybe. Oh, who were they? It's a good thing I've never lost any friends, though. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just people wearing white shirts and black pants who were in the immediate vicinity, <laughs> uh, but were also training dummies. Thank God those were the ones that died. Uh, but no, like I, I think it, it, it's such a cool moment for Emma to be like, "This is what's important. We 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 can't, you know, concede anything here. Like I, I can't concede the idea of killing demons who are innocent. You know, demon families, demon children." Just because demons as a race present a threat to us right now. Like, I, I just yeah. can't accept that. So it's a very powerful speech by Emma. It's a very powerful moment. And I love that the, the family got to have this real conversation about it. I do like that. Also, she didn't say, like, we're doing this and you have to help me. She said, like, please do at least this for me. And you're going to have to figure out what you want to do in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about Black Clover, page 200, World of Light. Yep. It's quite a chapter. So, uh, Patry, Evil Patry, Heartless Patry, whatever we're calling him there, has been defeated by Nozel. And, uh, what? Rod? Rade? No, what's his fucking name? Raya. Raya. That's it. Uh, it's just like, well, I guess this is what happens. Patry's fucking dead. But Mimosa heals him. Mimosa's like, I, you know, I don't need a reason to save someone who's dying, even if you're an enemy or from a different race. And he thinks back to the the girl who healed him before. How Mimosa looks a lot like him, but I don't know. It might just be the Tabata is not a great artist. I don't know. He might have <laughs> wow. he, he might have Oda syndrome, where women just all look a lot alike. Uh, he's like, so in the end, I get saved by a human royal, and uh, Nozel is preparing the final shot. You know, he's going to climb on the top turnbuckle and he's going to jump with both legs straight down. A very vicious. Yeah, maneuver. he's going to do the jumping nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the the very brutal looking jumped on your stomach impact move. God, Finn Balor needs a real fucking finisher. Uh, they should give him the. Can't give him the stunner. I mean, he had when he was in New Japan, he used the brain buster. They called it Bloody Sunday. I'd be, you know, honestly, even at this point, I'd take Sling Blade over fucking the Kuzma. It's transitional. Just have his transitional move do it. He just has to do it 500 more times in the match. Yeah, and then that's finished. Man, I'm surprised it took us this long in the episode to start really talking about it's wrestling. It's the night after WrestleMania, which legit, a lot of stuff actually happened at it. So. I know. This is astonishing. So, uh, Ash is like, whoa, wait, I I didn't think we were gonna just fucking kill the dude. <laughs> and he's like, uh, the guy is the leader of the group who's attacked this city and killed countless people, including the wizard king. I think we're gonna execute him. Uh, but uh Yuno's like, no, that guy's body belongs to Captain Vengeance. He's like, What the fuck are you talking about? His face and magic are completely different. He's like, just fucking believe me. This idiot's going to hit him with a sword and make everything better. uh, (laughs) Cut seven pages later. That's basically what happens. Basically, Uh, yes. But we do have to address the fact that Asta uses a sword. And uh, we see that the, the power the sword's absorbing is pouring into him. And he sees a montage of all these images from Patry's views. Uh, of all the elves who have kind of been hurt 
and all the the transgressions they've received, vantages from his eyes of when he killed the Wizard King, images of the devil coming out, all kind of, you know, surrounded by words of hate, hopelessness, pain, frustration, ah. And then we see an image of a young Patry who's like 15 years old, maybe, maybe a little bit older, who's seen in a chair thinking about how he's just completely fucked up and how he was tricked, how he did everything thinking it was for Leashed, and it was all what Leashed exactly didn't want. And he thinks that as he stares off to a tree, which I believe is where William's body is right now, or maybe that's... I think so, because yeah, that's that's William's body right there. Within the okay. Because it has all the scars, and that's why he wore the okay. mask before. I kept, for some reason, wanting to think it was Leashed that he was looking at. But he's just like, oh, I like everything I've done... It's awful. And he, he's thinking, like, no, wait, hold on. I It's the humans' fault. The humans have caused all of this. When Asta shows up and he's like, finally, we met. So on the inside, you're just a kid who's stuck at about all my age, right? And Asta basically just lays into him. He's like, quit giving up. Right now, what you're doing is running away. You've caused all this pain. You caused all this horror. All of you done, you killed the Wizard King, who meant so much to so many people. By the way, I'm going to be the next Wizard King. I don't know if I told you that yet. <laughs> Hold on. Let me start the speech again. I'm going to be the next Wizard King. And you know there, much time. better opening to my speech now. <laughs> I was afraid you wouldn't know. They always say, have a strong opening. I'm going to be the Wizard King. Then end it by bringing it all together. End it by saying... I'm going to be the wizard king. <laughs> and then I look over to my closest rival, which I guess is you. We're rivals now, by the way. <laughs> that means you, you want, can't give up. <laughs> you want to be the wizard king too, don't you? No, no I, I don't. Yes, you do. Stop giving up on being the wizard king, even though I'm going to be the wizard king. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make this very Anyone clear. Anyone fix it. Got to be the wizard king. <laughs> Let me make this very clear to you. I'm going to be the wizard king, but you need to want to be the wizard king. It's never going to happen because I'm going to be the wizard king. But you need to want to become the Wizard King. That's how Asta's mind works. That's how conversations happen. Anyway, grab my sword so I can take the dark side of you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Asta just basically screams at him about how he, he did all this shit. And he's like, yeah, you know, after doing all that, you don't get to just give up and surrender yourself to all this angst and darkness and everything like that. So you did something you can't fix. It doesn't mean you get to just lose all the hope. Don't you want to stop that guy? Don't you want to kill the guy or at least stop the guy who caused all this pain? Maybe you weren't chosen. Maybe this isn't what Leash would want, but maybe no one will ever forgive you. Even so, you look pathetic and everything you could do all the way to the end. You have to finish this. And like Patrick's like, no, go away. Tries to tries to like punch him and. I don't know what he hits. Asta oh, grabs his arm. Uh, Asta grabs his arm. He just punches like a fucking idiot. He just punches really badly. Basically. He punches the way that a little kid with no fighting experience punches. You just <laughs> take this. And Asta thinks, yeah. So even if I'm not going to be able to forgive you, like I'm going to become the Wizard King, and I'm not giving up on you people either. Which Asta gives a very like cool speech here. I think I do find it strange to end the speech on I'm not going to give up on you people either in a story that's kind of very like has shades of real life racism, racism in it to yeah. end on a speech of you people <laughs> kind of I'm not giving up on you people either wait can I say you people 
I think so. I'm going to be the Wizard King, so I think it's fine. <laughs> it's like, and being the Wizard King is kind of like being a part of every culture. So nothing I do is insensitive. <laughs> All right. Come on, you white piece of shit. Let's go. Because the Wizard King is the best of all of us. He's Come the on, best you all... of all you stinky elf disgusting freaks. Come on, you albino weirdo. Let's go. <laughs> you pony-eared fuck. Like... By the way, found out elves are albino from that color page. Didn't didn't realize that before. So Maybe they still get a lot of sun there. I don't know. Uh, it Wasn't that like a Tolkien thing? Weren't all the elves in Tolkien supposed to be like absurdly pale? They're fail. They're definitely fair skinned. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he's like, oh wow, this guy reminds me a lot of fucking leashed, and he grabs on to Asta's chest, and boom, they're teleported out. Patry's back, although one half of his face, one of, one of his eyes, still has the black energy running through it, and he's like, hey, now we're rivals. <laughs> he basically is just like, I swear, I've never seen such a stupid human. What do you mean, jerk? He's like, well. Let's stay to stay together until this is over, right? And uh, they all agreed to stop the devil from doing what he's planning. Yes. So, um, battle with the elves seems to be over. It's going to be battle with the devil now. So that kind of shifted gears really quickly when you kind of look at the whole picture. But here we are now. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's you know that is an important occasion to have on your two hundred chapters. Like, yeah, okay, new new villain. Previous villain, now an ally. There you go. Boom. So. All right. That's, uh, we don't have one piece this week, so we're going to cap things off with World Trigger. For once, only one chapter to uh, cover, and it seems like it's going to be that way going forward. Just the one chapter on each monthly update. So. Last time, uh, part of Tamakoma 2 was going out to dinner along with Konami, and uh, they ran into Ninomiya Squad whom Tsuji, Konami, and, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten her name. Ooh, ooh, ura, uru? No. Umina? Who are you thinking of? Glasses Girl. Oh, um. Mm, now I'm forgetting too. Annalise! <laughs> Help us! They immediately start teasing him. They're like, come here! And they're like going, eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
uh, the girl on Ninomiya Squad is like, don't you guys run into Suji enough already in the, at school? And they're like, yeah, but he's always on guard there. So we, we like to prey on him when he's weak. <laughs> it's so weird. So they order food. Um, they start eating together. Uh, Suji makes the comment to Osama, like, you're dining with three girls like it's nothing. And Yuga's like, huh, I guess I am. And she just doesn't care. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, they're my teammates. You're, you're making it weird now. <laughs> um, Konami, however, makes the, the comment of, of, like, the reason why he's not bothered being around women is because his mom is so hot. <laughs> Everything she says in this chapter is weird. <laughs> like, Osamu again is just like, I mean, I don't know what my mom has to do with it. Although I guess that, I mean, I've never met a woman as intense as her, so I guess that does help in a way. So Suji's like, ah, you've been forged by her upbringing. And then they look, everyone looks at Chika and they're like, she's only eating rice again. And Chika just says, rice is yummy. (laughs) Which is the most relatable thing I think that she has ever done. Just being like, yeah, I like rice. (laughs) Fuck, I don't really, you know, gotta get what I needed out of this. Yeah. You're like, you need meat. Eat meat or you're going to be short forever. (laughs) Eh. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, They also, it also comes up because they're like, Suji, you don't seem to have problems, you know, interacting with Hiyami, the uh, girl that is with the Inamiya squad. And, And he just says, yeah, I've known her forever. And... Inukai says the only ladies that Shuji can have a proper conversation with are Hiyami and Hatohara. Hatohara being that sniper that uh, Osamu learned about relatively recently who couldn't shoot her targets. We get a bit of backstory from her and uh, about her. And um, basically they. um, Yui goes, you know, inquiring about her and Inukai says like, yeah, yeah, um, she wanted to pass over to, to to go over to the neighborhood in order to do something. And Yubi goes like, well, what did you want to do? And Inukai says, this is actually the same reason I'm a Tori. Uh, her little brother got kidnapped and wanted, she wanted to save him. And she had her sights set on getting on an away team, but she wasn't selected to make the trip. And Kanai was like, because you couldn't shoot people. And yes, that is indeed why. The same problem that Chika has. Um, although he is like, oh, but I guess that, you know, you're over your fear considering what you did in yesterday's match. And she gives me like, I blew up someone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Inukai basically kind of talks a little bit of trash going into the match, kind of doing this thing, kind of of is like, oh, yeah, those strategies you've got going on, huh? Yeah, we're going to be a little bit wary of her, but we know that uh, Hughes and Kuga are your real headliners and they're the real people to watch out for. And Konami's like, well, you should watch out for Osamu, too. It's mean to exclude him. And Inukai's just like, he doesn't have a lot of try on, so we're not really worried. Is he going to abandon his wire strategy? And she's like, Um, he then brings up the rumor of Hughes being being a neighbor. And so they kind of try and uh, and pass it off. Konami's like, oh, maybe he just has that and gives off that brush because of his massive tryon levels. And Inukai's like, well, yeah, but Amatori has way higher tryon levels, so that kind of has nothing to do with it. And she's like, what's that? No, Chika's a different story. Oh, so so he's different than Hughes, and she keeps... Aah! And eventually, Ninomiya just finally speaks up and, and says, yeah, uh, PR told us about Hughes' identity. <laughs> and Inukai was just teasing her the whole time. <laughs> Uh, 
I do like, you know, getting these more additional glimpses of different characters, you know, revealing that like Konami can't keep a secret to save her life. Uh, for example, yeah. once you kind of needle away at her. Uh, and, you know, Kai kind of teases them more, uh, saying that, like, they know that there's more to uh, Hughes' strategies that he's led on. That, like, he's not using all of his try on yet. Uh, he, we know that there's something more to the bullets than he's than he's really used and so on and so forth. And then Yumiya then says, like, hey, we're, we're leaving now. I got the check. Um, Yuga brings it before they can leave, saying, hey, you know, you, you said that if we were chosen for the away team, you would tell us more about Hatahara. You haven't forgotten that, right? And Inimiya says, my answer now is the same as it was then. Come back to me once you've been chosen. We got to later that night after they've gotten home. It's like, so can I get dessert and you'll still pay for it? Or is that on me at this point? <laughs> Ninimiya! Ninimiya! My answer, My answer now is the same as then. Sweet! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, waitress, before he leaves... Seven fried ice creams! <laughs> Eight apple pies, not slices, whole pies! <laughs> He's like, ooh, like a Mr. Bird's like, ooh, you'll get yours, Tamakoma 2. <laughs> Making me pay for your pies! <laughs> And that's just awful. Soma takes a bite. He's like, I don't even like apple pie. <laughs> Actually, I'm allergic to apples. Oh, oh. Oh. But I never turn down free food. <laughs> Especially when I've tricked someone into paying for it. Oh, oh. that prick Ninamiya into paying for it. <laughs> oh, oh, God, it takes a long time to eat a whole pie. <laughs> Especially, especially when your throat swollen up, <laughs> must swallow. Someone get me some milk snack for the summer. Aren't you lactose intolerant? Oh boy, oh, boy howdy easy. I am. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to make it go down, though. <laughs> Next scene: funeral march for Osamu. <laughs> he. He died as he lived, being cheap about meals. <laughs> yeah, frugal shitster. He was just like, well, without Yuiga on our team, it's actually going to be way easier to win these rank battles. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to worry about losing those points anymore. <laughs> Whew. All right. So, um, Yuiga has related to the rest of Tamakoma what uh, Inokai told them. And so he's worried that uh, the Viper strategy has been found out. And uh, Hughes just like, it's not really a problem. And Yuma's like, yeah, you're right. Because Hughes says, I can still use the Viper strategy to score against the other squads. And Yuma pinpoints the, the, the core of the issue, which is Inukai was basically telling us, yeah, you can use that strategy on the others, but it won't work on us. So we'll just come up with a new strategy to counter Ninomiya's squad. And we'll continue to use that strategy if we can. And... Uh, Osamu's like, uh, yeah, and he was probably just telling us all that so that, you know, he would fluster you, Osamu, because Inukai is like that. And I was like, yep, he you, he used psychological warfare and let him play you for a fool. And you and, you, and uh, now you go. So I was just thinking to himself, yeah, he played you like way worse, though. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. Um, everyone's like, yeah, it's it's cool. You know, we're, we'll, we'll be fine. Uh, we're going to, however, have to think of a new strategy to deal with Dinomiya because the only ones who can match him for Tryon are Hughes and Chica. If we're going to face him head on, 
they're going to have to be the ones to do it. But Chica can't face anyone head on uh, by herself. But the strategy is going to be that she will use her super uh, tryon to use to summon shields to protect Hughes. He'll use his bullet triggers and they'll, that way they'll be like a tank. They'll be completely unbeatable. Um, they're going to have to come up with all these. Uh, they want to come up with a whole bunch of other different strategies. Hughes says, you know, that seems like a good idea, but I want to have options uh, laid out, especially because there's a big risk. If we reveal her position to the enemy, there's no chance that we'll going to be able to rendezvous in the first place. So let's think of some more stuff beyond that. So, Yuiga sa- says, all right, uh, you, then you two are going to watch recordings of Ninomiya Squad's battles and come up with counters in a ranged fight. Usami and Yotaro are going to help you out. Kuga and I will plan for additional scenarios and gather intel on the squads. And maybe Konami can give us some advice. And so and so Konami says, to the strategy room! And Yes. But it's not about yet, because we don't follow them. We stay with Usami and Chika, Yotaro, and Hughes as they are going through recordings and stuff. And the issue that they kind of run into right away is that, as Usami puts it, is no one really likes doing shootouts with Nina Mia, so we don't have a lot of examples of that happening. But before they get too deep into it, Hughes says, hey, I need to confirm something. Um, Chica, you actually can shoot people, can't you? And they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, We also see that outside, uh, is it, what's his name? It's Karis. Reiji. Reiji, scruffy hottie, isn't no, it? No, he, he's uh, he's he's beefcake. Beefcake, beefcake hottie. That's it. Yeah. So everyone's like, "What? What the hell are you guys? What the hell are you talking about, Hughes? You know, you know that she can't." And he and he says, "Well, Chica said she can't shoot people, but I've got my doubts, and I believe that there is a possibility that she has merely convinced herself that she can't. I think that she can, in fact, shoot people." And Chica looks really nervous as he says this. So that's that's going to do it for World Trigger until next month. So big development there. And I really like seeing just the in general, this interaction between Hughes and Chica, because that's a, a nice thing of having Hughes be on Tamako Matuba is that having this new character adds a new layer to the interactions that you can have between all of the different team members. Uh, and this is, you know, a pairing that we have not seen before. These two getting to talk and strategize together and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely dig it. Um, it's a little short chapter. This is probably like the least eventful World Trigger we- chapter we've had since it's come back. But this is what World Trigger does. It has these chapters that are very slow and paced, like as like conversation. This is actually, I guess, technically like the way two chapters normally would have been combined. And it's like two of mm. the slower, like not even planning chapter really yet, because they haven't really gotten too much into the planning part. It's just kind of talking about stuff which right. is one of the strengths and the parts that i'm like oh everybody who hates world trigger this is exactly the part they hate <laughs> they're like now they're gonna like, wait a month for a new their chapter instead of a week it's <laughs> like wait a minute they sat in a fucking like hibachi and just talked for 80 percent of the chapter i'm like yeah i mean they also didn't really talk about too many relevant things they kind of talked about stuff by talking about how everyone already knew the information that was currently on the table <laughs> and also they made fun of suji for being nervous around women a whole lot <laughs> and i don't really know which one Suji. the moment we get into the fight i'm not gonna remember which one suji is <laughs> look if you're not wearing a stupid hat i'm not gonna remember who you are like <laughs> come on now 
uh yeah so that was that's that um that's the manga for this week everyone thank you guys for joining us for weekly manga recap we're gonna choose our favorites from this week favorite chapter and mvp uh, my favorite chapter, I'm going to give it to Promised Neverland. I think Promised Neverland was super good this week. It was a very, very well done chapter. Good of mind to We Never Learn. Uh, it was nice to see this conclusion to the chapter, to this whole saga with Yuiga struggling with uh, revealing his decision to his family. And it was just nice, even though there was a lot of, uh, you know, random goofiness and typical we never learn trappings. It felt like it was kind of its way of throwing a celebration in a way. Uh, and so it did feel like a big occasion. And I'll give my MVP. I guess I got to give it to Ginro. I consider giving yeah, it to Emma because it's, such a, it's Ginro. such a great yes. scene. But Ginro is just such a funny moment. And, and it's and it's all about him, that uh, yeah. that scene, too. And uh, as appropriate, Ginro is the audience pick. And the series of the week is the tie between We Never Learn and what else, Nick? World Trigger. <laughs> I, I firmly think there are people who will pick World Trigger. There can no be a, matter what. There, there can be a chapter where Luffy punches Kaido through the moon and World Trigger <laughs> off a chapter where Chica's like tap dancing or something. Or she like or she goes <laughs> for to like the entire chapter. She, she goes to get ice cream. People will be like, that was a great World Trigger chapter. And it's I know a, it like follows her like every step of the way, you know, like, you know, getting up, putting on her shoes, walking out the door, locking the door. Stopping at the at the gate to the to the building, and because she's not sur- sure if she locked the door, going back and double checking it, and then going, crossing the street, waiting five minutes to the intersection, having some asshole honk at her because she's walking when he wanted to speed through it, going and looking at the menu for five minutes before making her decision. <laughs> Chapter of the week. <laughs> what a great fucking series. <laughs> Uh, all right, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. We record week, uh, Weekly Manga Recap Mondays around 7.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, depending on technical difficulties and all that other stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter to find out when we're going to record the show. At Dimmar Podcast is the official podcast account. Rolo T and Nick F. Time are your two hosts. You can also check out our past episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com, as well as on iTunes and YouTube. Chris upload a whole bunch of the episodes we've recorded over the last couple of months so you can finally check out those if you've been waiting for them uh if you would like to send us a question to answer in a future q a episode or just send us general feedback you can send that stuff via email to weekly manga recap at yahoo.com if you have a suggestion for a future manga for us to read you can send it to that address as well but we have been keeping track of that stuff on the Discord server instead, Ninja X3i has been very helpful in keeping track of the recommendations, the fan votes, and all that stuff so that we can uh, get input for you guys and have it all in one very handy Google Doc. Well, I'll give special thanks to Steve Man or Tuckerist. You can check out his work in a bunch of different places as well as Infamous Black for the stuff you do. Chris, speaking of recommendations, what are we going to be t- reading for our next series? I'm a little confused because uh, I don't know if you followed the the td wrestling account on twitter it's like yeah it just posts like gifts of matches essentially as they're happening well they posted one of a box with little like hand puppet dinosaur oh. coming out of it that's yeah like, people, are, people are thinking that bray wyatt is being teased to return or something like that is bray wyatt coming back as like a goofy puppet? <laughs> like he's just like what what do you get when you fucking what do you call cheese that's not your own 
nacho cheese waka 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 and then he pelbo he elbow drops you or something <laughs> they're like we thought southern gothic uh wizard wasn't a strong enough of a character so he does puns now uh the series we're going to be talking about guys is called the climber also known as coco no hito it is a sainted sports series that i believe uh correct me if i'm wrong is all about rock climbing so okay. We're gonna we're gonna cool. we're gonna try uh, a series. Actually, it's uh, about climbing a building. It's about climbing people. It's it's called the climber. We're we're gonna do All right. like a sports series, and I'm kind of intrigued by it. It's a sated sports series. Yes. And this Let's is do uh, recommended, by the way, by Ota and Tropical. So that's what we're taking a look at. All right, that's gonna do it, guys. We will catch you all later. So have a good one. Goodbye.